Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Citizens of Perfectville, Dolph fans everywhere, you love sports. Not just the Dolphins, not just the NFL, but all sports. And the month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50%. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, now part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor back once again from vacation to claim his throne. That is rightfully his, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm really happy to be here. My dad called me and asked if I got fired, so that's fun. <laughs> Well, you know, I was wondering who was approving all these vacation requests because uh, you've been on vacation a couple of times here recently, and I've just had to talk to other people. And as much as I like other people, I don't like them as much as I like Chris Cullen. So uh, happy to have you back. You are not fired, hopefully, from your uh, other job. You're certainly not fired from this job. If anything, uh, I think you're more hired than ever. So uh, I don't know, man, but uh, good to have you back. It's great to be back. It was a, uh, started as a vacation. First of all, Cleveland sucks. Any listeners in Cleveland? Sorry, Cleveland. Well, terrible. I was told that Cleveland rocks, Chris. No, uh, Drew Carey is a piece of shit. That does not rock at all. And um, <laughs> well, ne- well, we're never giving him, getting him on the show. Yeah, I guess. He's, uh, I guess our guest this week is canceled. <laughs> Price is wrong, bitch. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland sucks. And then my wife got sick. So yeah, it was like a half vacation, half hospital stay. But she's better now, thank God. And. Uh, I appreciate Jeremy for stepping in for me, but yeah, my dad's like, uh, like the last, like two out of three episodes, weren't you? And I was like, well, one's Travis. He worked for the dolphins. So that's pretty good. Uh, Kevin Dern's cool. And then, yeah, this guy, Jeremy, I saw he commented on one of the uh, Facebook things and said, did we go viral? I was like, shit, did they? I really am fired, Dad. Sorry. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is uh, after that episode, I did get a call from the Believe podcast executives, and I was like, uh-oh, something Jeremy said is going to be bad. But it wasn't bad. It had nothing to do with the Jeremy episode at all. At all. It has to do with our show and the future of our show, which is in very good hands. But no, uh, Lloyd Colon, Laird, uh, Lawler, whatever your name is, your son is gainfully employed for the Believe Podcast Network and the Welcome to Perfectville. Uh, He's still the mayor. So uh, nothing to see here, nothing to talk about there. But there is a ton to talk about with the Miami Dolphins, as usual, Chris. Uh, Let's just get into it. Minicamps have started, and uh, the first day of minicamp, Tua threw 3,422 interceptions. Are we upset about this or not? No, and I'm sick of hearing about it, honestly. This happened a week or two ago, and I was watching NFL Live uh, yesterday. So that's like June 21st, um, 23rd. And uh, they had a whole segment on if this was a big deal or not, that he threw five interceptions on most of them against seven on seven when the defense knows they're throwing in a horrific thunderstorm. This is not a big deal. I don't know why they're talking about it. I honestly don't get how is it, he's under this mag- magnified glass. Like, it's unbelievable. Um, but the good thing is the normal talking heads I don't agree with all agreed that it wasn't a big deal. It's practice. Booger McFarland, Ryan Clark, who hates the Dolphins, and um, the other guy that was on the show. So not Dan Orlovsky, but he's been supportive as well. So it, the fact that ESPN keeps bringing it up, NFL Network keeps bringing it up, is ridiculous to me. It's practice. I like the fact that the expert, the person that we're laying on here to uh, make our claim is named Booger. But uh, that aside, <laughs> it's somehow a guy... You get what you can take when you're a Miami Dolphins fan, I guess. It's crazy to me that there's a guy named Booger out there. I mean, I know his name's Anthony, but he goes by Booger, and he was like the you know Monday Night Football uh, you know color analyst and everything else. But Booger McFarlane, there you go. Look, I'm, I don't think this is a big deal either, and here's why. A lot of people have already said this, so I'm not breaking any ground here, but this is practice, as Alan 
Iverson says. We're talking about practice. This is where you actually practice things to see what you can and cannot do. I mean, would you rather take these chances in a thunderstorm, which could very well happen in Miami uh, during a game against the Buffalo Bills week two? No, I'd rather do it against the Miami Dolphins defensive backs and say, oh, you know what? I really can't make that, cr- that throw across, uh, across the field you know, opposite of where I'm running into traffic. I just can't do it. So I need to take that out of my brain. That's something that I can do as an option. And instead, maybe I would throw underneath or I would tuck it and run or just run out of bounds and take a two yard loss versus an interception. This is the type of stuff that you need to figure out in practice, which is why I'm glad it happened in practice here. Here's a bonus, by the way. Our defensive backs seem to be pretty good. They're holding on to the ball at a lightning storm. So there's a bonus out of this as well. But I don't see this as a big deal, Chris. If this happens in a game, it's a huge deal. But right now, I think people are bored and they're making a mountain out of a molehill. I think this is the exact type of thing that Tua should be working on going into his second year as a starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And look, I know Tua is the fifth overall pick and he's the QB and it all runs. He touches the ball every play. But you guys got to remember, this is a team sport. They're not. It's not all about Tua. The coaches might want it, want it, wanted to see what uh, Javon Holland did uh, when a pass, uh, you know, a post and cover two. They might have wanted told to it to throw it up to see if the rookie safety or a first or second year guy would make a play on the ball. It's not just about Tua. This is the whole team getting better. It's a team practice. This wasn't a QB camp. This was the entire team. And there's scripts involved. There's plays involved. Coaches want to see different things. Um, We played a game at practice yesterday. It's called uh, Sweeney Ball. We stole it from Clemson uh, when my son went to a camp there. It's a crazy game where they play and the ball constantly can be thrown forward. Like There's no uh, illegal forward passes and it's all within the game. And the kids are like, what are we getting out of this? I'm like, dude, I'm watching kids take angles. Who can catch the ball? Who can fight for the ball? I'm seeing what kids in shape. What kid uh, is aggressive and competitive? There's all kinds of underlining things as a coach that you want to see. There's a method to their madness. And all we're talking about is Tua when this is a whole team practice. No, absolutely. I mean, I 100% agree with that. And I actually kind of want to play Sweeney ball. Now that sounds it's a like blast. a lot of fun. Um, but uh, that aside, like you said, it is a team sport. You're, there's other things you're looking at too. I mean, uh, what are the other factors? In this case, you did have weather. Uh, it could be, you know, the two co-offensive coordinators trying to see what they can do in terms of implementing a game plan. Because one of the things that came up last year was that Tua didn't know uh, the entire playbook. So therefore they were limited as to what they could do with him behind center. They're trying to figure that out now, right? Which by the way, somebody else brought this up, Chris, but I had forgotten the fact that remember in his rookie season, Tua said, you know, I thought the NFL would be harder. And then he came out later and said, you know, I really didn't know the playbook. So apparently it was harder than Tua was giving it credit for. He <laughs> or that's why it was so easy. He just didn't even do any studying. <laughs> I didn't. I don't have to learn shit. I'm fine. This is great. Ignorance is bliss. Um, but no, I think this is how you need to work it out. By all accounts, everybody, uh, unnamed sources, players, coaches, a lot of people are saying that not only are they impressed by Tua in his second re- season, they're excited about what they can do with him as a starting quarterback. So this is one blip on the radar in practice early in minicamp. Uh, overall, he looks healthy. He is the, you know, unquestioned starter and leader of this offense now. And uh, I think we're going to ride or die with Tua here, uh, at least in the 2021 season. Yeah, I like how no one talked about his four touchdowns the next day. Yeah, I mean, that's boring. Who, who wants to see four touchdowns? We want to see five interceptions, Chris. That's what we want to see. Dolphins Twitter, Dolphins fan base, citizens of Perfectville everywhere. Moving on here to yet another person on the team. Current contract situation seems to be in flux. Of course, I'm talking about the other side of the ball. He had no interceptions against Tua because he wasn't there. Of course, I'm talking about the X-Man himself, Xavier Howard. Uh, holding out, Chris, wants a new contract, had a new contract a couple of years ago. Now is upset that he's not the highest paid even cornerback on the team. Um, holding out, this looks like it could get a little bit ugly, Chris. What are your thoughts on Xavier Howard holding out for the Miami Dolphins here in 2021. This is a tough one for me as a fan. I want him out there. He's under contract. There's still multiple years left on it. He agreed to that contract. He agreed to the worth and now he's holding out for more money. I don't know if he's upset that Byron Jones is making more. Um, I thought it was interesting. He was on a podcast um, and he came out and said it felt like a slap in the face when they drafted Noah and uh, in the first round. So um, maybe just, is done with the dolphins. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, but um, you know, 10 interceptions is a huge deal. He's got high praise now nationally uh, consistently from other players and analysts alike that he's one of the best, if not the best corner in the league. And he wants to be paid as such. And when you're not even the highest paid on your team, you know, let alone in a league, I guess he can, I can see where the um, principle is in that, but I thought it was very interesting with how Byron Jones came out and said, I don't care if I'm the highest paid or not, I'm going to come out and do my job. And he's, you know, one of the NFLPA guys, very well-spoken leader. 
off the field as well. Maybe Flores is like, hey, fine, I'll ride and die with Byron Jones. He fits my scheme a little bit more anyway. But yeah, it's hard to decide what what's right here because you want the players to get paid and they get cut at any time. But um, it's holdout sucks. Did you take that Byron Jones uh, quote as a dig at Xavier Howard? Or was we just saying, hey, he's got to go do him. I'm not worried about him. I have my own stuff that I need to focus on, which is to be on the field. Uh, how did you take that? Because I kind of took it as a little bit of a dig at X-Man, but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Yeah, I think it was perfectly uh, eloquently stated to be enough of uh he can brush it off if Xavier Howard texts him and says what the hell he's like oh no he's just talking about me man but I think as a leader and a captain and somebody that knows his job's easier if Xavier Howard's on the field maybe it was a little poke to the bear to uh kind of get him to go to work yeah it could be and here's the thing about Noah Igbenogane um if there's anybody who can rival Tua Tungavailoa in terms of workouts in this offseason it would be Noah Igbenogane number nine now for the Miami Dolphins uh he did not have the best rookie campaign very similar to Tua he's a first round draft pick high investment high capital for the Miami Dolphins um most SEC wide receiver receivers including Jalen Waddle who's on the team for us now have come out and said that the best corner they ever faced in college was Noah Igbenogany. The guy has a ton of talent out of Auburn. Uh, he is not drafted in the first round to sit on the sidelines. I think he's raring to go. He's itching to go. He wants to be a big part of this defense in year two of his career. And I do think there is a little bit of a safety net there for the Miami Dolphins in drafting Noah Igbenogany, knowing that Xavier Howard has done this type of stuff before. You know, Chris, a year ago, I said that it would, wouldn't surprise me if we traded Xavier Howard Howard for a first round draft pick before last season. It didn't happen. He comes back, he gets 10 touchdowns or 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions and should have been the defensive player of the year. Let's be honest. I don't think there's anybody out there that had a better defensive individual year than him in 2020. Uh, but let's just put it this way. If the Miami dolphins are forced to trade Xavier Howard now, all that he's done is raised his profile to the point where the Miami dolphins are going to get a cash cow coming back to them probably in the in the form of draft picks even more so than if they'd done it last season so i don't want to see xavian howard go i love xavian howard he's one of the miami dolphins favorite players in terms of the fan base um but if it gets down and ugly i mean if, if, if miami dolphins are forced to choose between the front office of the miami dolphins which seems to be getting a lot of things right and xavian howard uh, in the court of the public opinion he's going to lose that battle is he not Yes. And, um, you know, we're in a situation as fans that if he just doesn't want to be there and he's not going to play, then yeah, get as much as you can for him. Like you said, he just up the game with his season and all the national attention he's getting, like I said. So if the Raiders call or the 49ers call or, um, you know, Washington calls, you, you ask for the farm because he's the best player. Um, and get that cap space off of our, off our sheet. And you're playing with a guy on a rookie contract with Noah um, and Flores comes from the Patriot way, man. If you're not going to play ball, it, we can find someone else that can do it. Even if it's uh, uh, by committee, you know, drafting Holland it, from Oregon that has experience moving all around uh, a Jackal of sorts. And then uh, Noah and some of the younger guys like Needham and stuff behind him. Sorry, X. I mean, you got paid big time. We already paid you. If you're not happy and you're not going to show up, we'll we'll just fill in with somebody at will. I'll put it this way. Uh, Xavier Howard has the same agent as Jarvis Landry, and we all know how that ended. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, one other thing, though, that Jason Sarney, our good friend Jason Sarney, said on Twitter, yeah, he found some sort of infographic that stated that I think since 2018, Xavier Howard has more interceptions than any other cornerback and has played like 15 less games because of an injury that he had. So when you start looking at the stats, you kind of go, well, shit, maybe we should pay the guy. He seems to be pretty darn good. So I don't know. I'm a little bit torn as well, but I think, you know, gun to my head, cut it down the middle. Uh, I think you have to trade Xavier Howard and get the draft capital and ride with the young guy, Noah Igbenogane and Byron Jones. Yeah. When you already have money locked up in Byron Jones like that, it's hard to pay him even more than yeah. you've already done. Um, if they can make it work, it's not my money. I mean, Stephen Ross, write the check. And if we can make the cap space going up next year, if you can keep Xavier Howard and pay him more, fuck it, do it. I'm, I'm all for that. That's plan A for me. But if he's not going to show up and we're not going to pay him, iron hits iron. You got to get rid of the guy and get what you can. I agree. I think plan A is to keep him, especially for all the things that you said. But with the cap going up, actually, the last thing I want to talk about here in the first 15 minutes, the first segment of Welcome to Perfectville here on this episode is the fact that we started to extend and pay some of the players that were going to be free agents next year. Uh, Jerome Baker, 
playmaker, Jerome Baker, linebacker, uh, another Forder, um, uh, Miami Dolphins, you know, uh, original, if you will, drafted by the Miami Dolphins and is now going to be here for quite some time. Only 24 years old, Chris. He's locked up. He's got himself a new three-year contract. I think he's got like 20 to $30 million guaranteed. Uh, he is now here. He was going to be an unrestricted free agent coming into this offseason along with Mike Kosicki, Durham Smythe, and a couple of others. Uh, number one on the list, Jerome Baker, now signed and checked and at Miami Dolphin for quite some time. Um, I think next, uh, who's next on this list? If you have to look at this and go, okay, I either have to re-sign Xavier Howard, I have to keep Mike Kosicki, Durham Smythe, and maybe a couple others. Who's next if you're the Miami Dolphins front office and say, okay, who else can we lock back up? Well, first, I love Baker saying you keep your guys that you draft. I mean, that's uh, number one. We, we've talked about that for years on this show. You keep uh, your guys if you can. Baker uh, is very vocal on wanting to stay with Miami, loves Miami, didn't want to go anywhere. And I think he's only getting better. Um, the game's slowing down for him, and he's just like learning more uh, tricks to the trade for his profession. So he's only going to get better. My next on the list is Gusecki. Um, especially with Xavier Howard's injury history and the potential to hold out. Like what, what if, what, what if, you know, Jalen Ramsey gets a big deal right after Xavier Howard gets it and it trumps him by 20 million. He's going to hold out again. You know, you, you pay Kazeki because he's young. The, the tight end position is turned into this. I was listening to George Kittle. He's saying something, of course he's a little biased, but if you look at the past Super Bowl teams, the last five years or so, they all have elite tight ends, elite, like game-changing tight ends. Like you're talking about Kelsey, Gronk, Kittle, um, even uh, Zach Ertz when the Eagles went. I mean, tight end play is such a mismatch in this NFL when everybody's going smaller, right? The Jerome Bakers of the world are like everybody's linebackers now, the quicker, faster guys uh, as opposed to big thumpers in the middle. So that is a big mismatch when you have a 6-6 tight end that can run fast and catch the ball. I mean, look how high Kyle Pitts went in the draft. I mean, tight end is everything. We already have Byron Jones. We already have Noah. If it's between the two, you pay Gasicki, lock that young guy up, and you have just potent offense for years. Yeah, uh, unrelated to that, but you said Zach Ertz, which reminds me, my favorite fantasy football team of name of all time was uh, incorporating Zach Ertz and Tyler Eifert into the name when it was it Ertz when I fart. And I thought, see, that my was, favorite is my balls, my ball Zach Ertz. Ooh, that that works as well. That's a that's a pretty good one. I like that. Um, but no, I agree with you. Mike Kosicki is probably next on the list of people that we need to sign and lock up for the Miami Dolphins long term. He means so much to Tua Tungavaloa's development as well as the Miami Dolphins offense in general. Now, that's not to say that we don't have weapons on offense. And we're going to talk a little bit about those weapons in segment number three. I just decided right now. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about as we go, uh, go into commercial break here for segment number one. But uh, lots of stuff happening with the world of the Miami Dolphins. And oh, by the way, going back to Tua and all the criticism that he got for those interceptions didn't seem to phase him, Chris, because I think the next day or that night he was out on South Beach holding the hand of a pretty lady who was about six foot seven. It might have been, you know, uh, Mike Gesicki and drag. Who knows? She was a tall lady. But uh, Tua seems to be enjoying himself and acclimated nicely to uh, South Beach uh, culture. His reaction to realizing he was being filmed was hilarious. <laughs> Young guy like my dad's going to see the shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, he, I told him I was studying the playbook. Uh, turns out he was maybe her, her name. Was, her, her nickname's playbook. Yeah. There you go. We're on the same page. Look, he was out for three of the last four episodes, but it didn't matter. We're right back in the saddle again. That was 15 minutes on the current state of the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tungavailoa is doing his thing. Xavier Howard is not doing his thing. And uh, we all agree, or at least the both of us, that Mike Kosicki needs to do his thing for the Miami Dolphins for a very long time. And he is next on our list of folks to sign. Back to the Miami Dolphins. We'll be back right after these words, and we're going to play a little game. We're going to play a new game, new segment. I'm excited. I'm intrigued. I want to know what everyone else thinks. So play along at home, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Perfectville. We'll be back right after these words. Patchvibes.com is still the best place to get all of your best patches, stickers, hats, t-shirts, all things Miami sports swag. The Don Shula patch, the Laramie Tunzel pot smoking draft day patch, the Miami Vice t-shirt, all things Miami Dolphins, Miami Heat, Miami Marlins, Miami sports scene can be found at Patchvibes.com. Check it out. And we're back. Chris Cullen, the good doctor, two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. And, of course, myself, just everyday pedestrian, Sam Marku. Here's segment number two. And, Chris, you've heard of a pick six or two, right? Two a tongue of Iloa threw a couple of those in practice the other day. <laughs> I never want to hear about this again. Yes, but I've heard of pick six. 
<laughs> You've heard of pick six, but uh, this is not pick six because we don't throw interceptions for touchdowns the other way here, Chris. We throw nothing but touchdowns, so we kind of call this pick one here, Chris, the newest segment, a game show here for you and I and all the citizens of Perfectville to play together, and this is where we're going to pick one. We're going to put two former Miami Dolphins or current Miami Dolphins players up against each other, and you and I are going to pick one. You can only have one. The other one just disappears forever. We never see or hear of that guy ever for the Miami Dolphins. Are you ready, Chris? Born ready, my friend. All right. Pick one, Chris Chambers or Jarvis Landry, and you can only pick one, Chris. And this is prime Chambers, prime Landry. Yes, this is absolutely based on their career and body of work for the Miami Dolphins. Hmm. Mm Mm-mm-mm. And gosh, that's tough, man. Landry is a bulldog. Uh, so is Chambers. Yeah, that's my, my thing is I'll go with nostalgia. I'll go with, with Chambers. We have the same initials. We have CC. I'm showing on my arm here. Chris Chambers, Chris Cullen, uh, both named Chris. And dude, he did it with worse quarterbacks, in my opinion. <laughs> Landry, I mean, even with Tan, argue about Tan Hill all you want. The guy's gone to AFC championship game. You know, he's doing it with the likes of, uh, I don't even want to name them. They're so bad, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's Chris Chambers for sure. For me, uh, just based on nostalgia. And of course that dude, my dad and I were talking, uh, gosh, it was like a month or so ago. And uh, it blew our minds that we thought he was six, four, like half his, half his career uh, because he played like he was, you know, he, he's five eleven. he just, but he can get up and get the ball. Um, so I, I just, and he was here longer. So I, I'll definitely, I'll go CC. Here's the thing with Chris Chambers, <clears throat> and I agree with you. It's Chris Chambers over Jarvis Landry, and I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, what you said is one of the things that uh, I've always been impressed with Chris Chambers' career is that he was 5'11", okay? And when you see him out there, he carried himself like he was Megatron, like he was six foot six out there. His leaping ability, he played big. He was a big-time player out there. And you're right. I think when you look at the consistency of the quarterback <clears throat> position that he had versus Jarvis Landry, say what you want about Ryan Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill over the last two seasons with the Tennessee Titans, now that he's in the right system, has 53 touchdowns between throwing and running the ball. It's insane how well he's done uh, since he's left Miami. So he wasn't a bad quarterback. Now, he has developed his skills, but he was a good quarterback who I think made Jarvis Landry look pretty good as well. The other thing about this as well is I think Jarvis, he was much more of a vocal leader. I think we all knew who he was right away. Chambers let his play speak for him. I can remember to this day, the time I remember Chris Chambers uh, jumping onto the scene was when he jumped all over the Buffalo Bills his rookie season, and I think he had three touchdowns and a come-from-behind victory in the fourth quarter, and I just remember going, who in the heck is this guy? But This is where I will disagree with you. I don't think both of them are Bulldogs. I think uh, Chris Chambers is actually a Badger, if I'm not mistaken. Because he went to Wisconsin. See, you see what I did there. Yeah, and just like Wisconsin, that was cheesy. Ah, look at that. So we both take Chris Chambers. Jarvis Landry ceases to exist in this world for the Miami Dolphins. Let's move on to the next one here, Chris. Pick one. Ricky Williams. Larry Zonka. Oh, my dad will hate me for this, but I'm taking Ricky all the way, man. That guy was a blast to watch. Fucking monster. The visor, the dreads, the stiff arms. It was like everything about my young childhood and fanhood uh, and my first real memories. Ricky doing the you know, thing in Buffalo is freaking 200 yard games. Uh, even the controversy. I mean, if, I mean, honestly, if weed is legal in the NFL, Ricky Williams is a first ballot Hall of Famer and we might win a Super Bowl. I mean, like, this guy was that good, even with Dave Wanstead running him into the fucking ground. Uh, I love Larry Zonka. He's a monster, a great follow on Twitter, hosted American Gladiators, for Christ's sake. Uh, broke his nose before every game was a story my dad told me to get him amped up and adrenaline. He flipped off the Sports Illustrated magazine, so he's a freaking legend and badass. I just didn't see him play, so I'm going with Ricky Williams, 34. Okay, but you said Ricky Williams had weed been legal. We might have won a Super Bowl. We won two Super Bowls with Larry Zonka, the only two in franchise history. <clears throat> He's on <clears throat> the team that named this podcast Perfect Bill because he went on the Maybe I am getting fired. <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, here's the other thing. Uh, it's not just a controversy with Ricky Williams. People forget, and, and I never saw him play either, but Larry Zonka left the Miami Dolphins in the 70s under some very, uh, shall we just say, controversial sort of situations here. So it wasn't just Ricky. It's kind of funny when you see those two and you, pe- you put them next to each other, how their careers were actually somewhat parallel in many ways. Uh, I love Ricky Williams to death. I, I It hurt me when he left. I remember turning on. This is what happened. I, I bought my first house. I was in my early 20s. 
I was excited. I got cable set up and then um, I turned on the TV on that Sunday and I turned it on. And the first thing I see on ESPN sports center was breaking news. Ricky Williams retires from the NFL. And I just was like, I hate this house. I hate this TV. I hate the Miami dolphins. I hate Ricky Williams. I hate my life. I want to just die. That's how much Ricky Williams went. And I went, as you know, Chris, a very long time being very bitter towards Ricky Williams as a fan, because I just thought we, he just, he, he set us up for failure. Now hindsight being what it is, I totally understand why Ricky Williams retired. And I, I mean, I, I like walked two miles the other day and I was like, this was bullshit. This this guy was getting the ball 400 times and get just being asked to be collided into 400 times in a season. No, not okay. Especially when you had other weapons on that team that we should have been utilizing. Um, but I'm going to go Larry Zonka, man. I have to go with the legacy of a two time Super Bowl champion. Um, and besides, you know, Ricky Williams never hosted American Gladiators. It's got to be Zonk. Yeah, I'm going to get so much shit for this. I'm prepared for it. Welcome <laughs> back, Chris. There you go. So we just every now and then we disagree. Chris has Ricky Williams. I have Larry Zonka. So far, our team is Chris Chambers, Ricky Williams, if you're Chris Cullen, and Chris Chambers, Larry Zonka, if you're Sam Marcu. All right, next one here, Chris. I think I know the answer to this, but uh, let's just do that era versus the legacy because we already see how this went. <clears throat> I already know the answer. I don't know why I'm asking this question. You know what? Zach we're going to change it up. We're going <laughs> to change it up. We're going to change it up. They don't play the same position, but we're going to make this a little harder. I was going to go Zach Thomas versus Manny Fernandez, but I knew, already knew the answer to that. That's not compelling radio or video. Let's go Zach Thomas versus Jason Taylor. Pick one. For- <laughs> Jason you got to be fucking kidding Zach me. Zach Thomas, pick one. Gun to your head. Dude, okay. So as far as... <laughs> I don't even know. You fucking threw me a curveball here, man. Off air, we said Manny Fernandez and Zach. This is ridiculous. Uh, we actually prepared guys for the show. Um, <laughs> dude, this is so tough. So production-wise, Jason, they're both Hall of Famers and uh, both should be Hall of Famers. Jason Taylor is an actual Hall of Famer. Jason Taylor, I think uh, we were just looking at this as sixth or seventh in uh, sacks in a career. So that's just fucking unbelievable. Mul- all those multiple pick six. Um, but if you tell me to pick one, He's down the hallway right now. My son is named Zachary Thomas Cullen. Um, I played middle linebacker. I don't know if Jason Taylor has a career, uh, vice versa, both of them. Probably that's why this makes it so tough without the other. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm 100% just for me as the position I played and the guy I looked up to and modeled my game after and named my son after is, uh, is Zach Thomas. So I'm going to have to pick one gun to my head and it's Zach Thomas, but Jason Taylor's a goddamn Hall of Famer and amazing. I love him too. Yeah, this is a tough one. I don't know that anybody, this is like choosing between two children. We don't know, you know, you can't have one without the other. It's peanut butter and jelly. You know, it's Siegfried and Roy, if you want to go with the, you know, odd magician reference from the Las Vegas Strip. But I'm going to go the other way. And here's why. A, it's more compelling for me to disagree with you. And B, strategically, I'm just thinking ahead here, Chris. I'm thinking of the future. If I pick Jason Taylor, that means Zach Thomas goes away, right? That's what that means. But we have another Zach Thomas waiting in the wings here. And you mentioned it, Chris. Your teenage son, right down the hall from where you're recording right now, is a mean-ass football player, mean-ass rugby player. His name is Zach Thomas. So I'm going to think ahead here strategically, and I'm going to take Jason Taylor on my team. That's who I'm picking out of the pick one. And I'm going to have Zach Thomas. I'm banking on you developing your Zach Thomas into the next great middle linebacker for the Miami Dolphins in the future here. So I'm thinking maybe 2030, 2032, whenever he's going to be eligible to be drafted. And then that's when I'm going to get my. Zach Thomas back on the team. Ooh, I like it. If let <laughs> I me mean, speak that into existence, buddy. He's class of 2026. Uh, so you're looking at college three years. You're right. Yeah, right on par there, like 2030, uh, drafted NFL. Zach Thomas, that'd be pretty cool. Be the first Zach Thomas, not the next Zach Thomas. I like how you're, you're thinking there. It, it, in my opinion, in this pick one, I win either way. So that sounds great. Yeah, let me ask you this. Um, sidebar from pick one. Let's just play this out. Let's just say Zach continues on the course. He goes to Clemson, which I know is his dream school. And then he moves on and is eligible to be drafted. Okay. I think I know know where I'm going. going. (laughs) And all of a sudden you see the New York Jets walk up to the podium and they say, Zach Thomas, (laughs) colon, middle linebacker, Clemson as their draft pick. How are you going to handle that? Uh, I'll cry that he got drafted. And I'll cry that he got drafted to the Jets. And uh, we've actually discussed this. He's asked me this before. And I've told him, I will hope he has individual success and the team loses. 
So like if the Jets are playing the Dolphins and he is the middle linebacker, you want him to maybe pick off the quarterback. It, it could still be Tua at that point, but you, you want that you want it to be like 35 to 7 at that point. Yeah, yeah, 15 tackles, but like we throw all over him because he did, he's not in coverage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think he'd be feeding the Miami Dolphins today? Look, here's his weaknesses, okay? Go easy on him. Let him have a couple of batted balls, but here's how you can get him. He fucking hates backpedaling. No, this like actually really happened. So um, I, I've known Jacoby Ford since I was five years old. We played together in the same flag football team in West Palm Beach, Florida, and he went to Clemson, um, and him and CJ Spiller broke all these kickoff return records and whatnot, and he got drafted by the Raiders, and um, I remember private messaging him and saying, Hey, Jacoby, I hope you have a great game, but I hope the Dolphins win. And um, he just, I think, said LOL or something. He ended up actually, that's a game. He had a, his first 100 yard receiving game, and he had a kickoff return for a touchdown. And I think we won. Um, so it, it worked out. That's, that's, that's like that, but on steroids, if it's my son and if it's the Jets. <laughs> let's, let's tie this into pick one. So the, in this case, Zach Thomas is being drafted by an AFC East team. You have to pick one Patriots, oh. Jets, Bills. Dude, that's fucking terrible. I, <laughs> I hate all of them. Um, I, I guess Buffalo. And here's why. I do have a reasoning for this. Because um, New England, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they'll be relevant by then. Uh, Belichick will be gone. They'll just be another with no fans in the crowd like just before 2000. Uh, but Buffalo, those fans will love him. You know what I mean? Like it's more like blue collar. He's not in the city where he's just getting like shit on by the stupid media with the jets. If he has one bad game, I think Buffalo, especially knowing my son, no bias legitimately, he plays super hard um, and he fights for every yard and every tackle. um, And I think that would fit and they would be jumping through tables for him. So if I had to choose pick one, it'd be Buffalo and he can give me a lot of wings. So that'd be cool. Well, there you go. You just swayed me. I was going to say the Patriots because at least he'd have some success considering that, you know, what they've been doing over the last 20 years. But Buffalo Wings trumps Super Bowl rings. So Buffalo it is. Chris Cullen, Sam Marcoux, choose the Buffalo Bills for Zach Thomas Cullen to be drafted in 2030. If this happens, I swear to God. Let's <laughs> go to San Francisco or the Chargers or something like Jesus. Uh, actually, you know, if he comes to the 49ers, I get to watch a whole bunch of his games because I'm out here on the West Coast. So I'd be OK with that. And uh, I hate the Niners, but I uh, love me some Zach Thomas Cullen. So I'd be OK with that. All right. We have time for one more here. Another pick one. Why don't you choose one, Chris? Why don't you throw one at me? And uh, why don't we pick one from the mind of Chris Cullen? All right. All right. Let's see here. Pick one. I've got one for you. Um, let's see. I have one guy in mind. Let me see the other. Let's see. Let's see. Don Shula Mm -hmm. or Dan Marino. The interesting. Now we're crossing from coach to player. And it's interesting that you chose those two because I wanted to bring Don Shula into this and I wasn't sure how to do it because if you're going to put him against any other coach, it's a no brainer. Uh, But that's the way to do it. That's the way to make this a challenging, compelling game. Don Shula versus Dan Marino. Now, based on my logic earlier, uh, I took Zonka over Ricky because Zonka was a huge part in us having the two Super Bowl rings and the perfect season. That's That same logic applies to Don Shula. Uh, but Dan Marino is Dan Marino. I think, more, I think more people identify the Miami Dolphins with Dan Marino than they do Don Shula. I think, uh, you know, that's a straw poll here. And maybe we'll throw that on Twitter. Who do they identify more with, Don Shula, Dan Marino? I think, I want to say it's Dan Marino. Um, but man, that is a tough one because Dan Marino is really the reason I became a Miami Dolphins fan. So that's really, really tough to say anybody other than Dan Marino. I think that the Dan Marino versus everybody, and the answer is going to be Dan Marino for the majority of Miami Dolphins fans. But Don Shula, the chin, the man, he got to five Super Bowls, lost three of them, but he won two of them. Uh, the winningest coach of all time. That's a big part of the legacy of the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say it. I'm going to choose the coach over the player like a good front office would do. Otherwise, usually they don't do that. I'm going to go with the man, Don Shula, over Dan Marino. Dan Marino, I'm so sorry. Please come on our show. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, hey, Don Shula has great steak sauce So in, a, in, a, in steakhouses. So and that'll that, push know, That's him a over. good point. Dan Marino has a shitty, lousy restaurant in the Hooters Hotel at Las Vegas. So, But he was also an Ace Ventura. Good point. See, he was an ace. So was Don Shula. Technically. Remember in the mailbox? Dan Marino should have won an Oscar for best supporting role. Uh, (laughs) Lost out to Snowflake, unfortunately. But I would, you know what? Damn. 
maybe I go Dan Marino. I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Don because I made my decision and okay. nobody likes a flip flopper, but what do you say? I'm going Dan and I'm going to actually add this to it. And I, I'm already getting shit for the Larry Zonko. I might as well piss everybody off. Does Dan Marino win a Super Bowl with a different coach? Great I love question. Don Shula. He's amazing, but does a different coach maybe go out and get a running game or, or go out and, really pad the defense up who knows uh i mean he had jimmy johnson obviously for a couple of years but injuries and things like that end of his career okay but flipping the script here because don shula made it to the super bowl with many different quarterbacks he had uh, damon david woodley and don struck he had um earl morrill he had brian, uh, bob greasy not brian greasy and he had dan marino he made four different quarterbacks super bowl quarterbacks you could make the argument that if Dan Marino never goes to the Miami Dolphins, Don Shula has somebody else in his place, and maybe that team gets back to the Super Bowl and wins another Super Bowl. Could it go the other way? Did Dan Marino hold Don Shula back based Ooh. on his only ability to just throw the ball and not really want to have a running game? That's a great question, and now our time's up, so we definitely got to bring that to Twitter because that's going to be a huge discussion. Absolutely. Well, I uh, that was a lot of fun, and that actually hurt my soul a little bit here, and we could do that again and again and again, but pick one. Chris Collins, Sam Marku, welcome to Perfectville. We'll be back right after these words to talk a little bit more about the Miami Dolphins' current roster and where it's headed. Citizens of Perfectville, it is Sam Marku. It is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer Chris Colon here to talk about Amazon.com. And I know you're rolling your eyes right now because you heard this commercial before, but you know what? It bears repeating. Amazon.com is a trillion-dollar business. Why? Because they have everything you could possibly want there. You need a new Miami Dolphins jersey? They got it. You need a new Miami Dolphins hat? They got it. You need a New England Patriots toilet bowl to crap in? They got it. They have everything. And you can get everything at Amazon.com by clicking on the link on WelcomeToPerfectBill.com. Yeah, it's true. Just go to our site, WelcomeToPerfectBill.com, and when you're done listening to this podcast, go ahead and click the link on the right-hand side that says Amazon. Why? Because it'll take you to Amazon.com where you can shop for all those items I was just talking about. And you can do it with no hidden charges or any extra fees at all. That's right. Just your normal Amazon.com shopping experience. But by doing it, by clicking on the link on our website, welcome to PerfectBill.com, you throw a couple of extra dollars to the town of PerfectBill. Keeps the lights on. You understand. Anyway, Amazon.com by way of welcome to PerfectBill.com. Do it and do it now. Fins up, citizens of PerfectBill. And we're back once again. Uh, Chris and I are finished writing our apology letters to all the former Miami Dolphins players that we just wiped from the legacy with the last segment here. Uh, so Jarvis Landry, Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, Don Shula, Dan Marino, and everybody else, Ricky Williams, Larry Zonka, Chris Chambers, everybody. We're writing apology letters to just about everybody because uh, that's not going to age well. One of those players is going to see this and go, what the actual fuck, guys? Well, at least we did it with like good comparisons. It's not like we did, you know, Patrick Laird or Larry Zonka. One of us picked him. No offense, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's it's like Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas. I mean, come on. Yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus Dion Dyer. Yeah, we didn't, <laughs> right. we didn't have that out there. That's for yeah, sure. it wasn't like Ricky Williams or Sammy Smith. Like which one? <laughs> <laughs> they both fumbled about the same amount of time. Um, all right, so moving on, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the current team. We talked about the news and notes in segment one, segment three. Here, we want to talk about the current team, but in the future state. Here, Chris, uh, let's get into it. The Miami Dolphins heading into this season have, I think, I we already mentioned about fifteen wide receivers on the on the roster they're not all going to stay we have contract disputes with Xavier Howard we've got a bunch of people I think 80 to 85 people that we're going to bring to camp there's going to be cuts let's just take a stab at what the 53-man roster is going to look like come week one and let's start with that wide receiving room here Chris because of how many people they have and some things that we have to take into account because of week one uh, namely uh, Will Fuller being suspended for for the first game of the season uh, does that change anything in terms of who we would keep? And remember, if you're on the roster week one, your contract is guaranteed. So this is kind of a big deal when you start thinking about who's going to be on the roster and who isn't and who's going to be a salary cap issue, so on and so forth. So let's start with the wide receiver room here, Chris. We've got a lot of talent, much more this year than we had last year. Last year at this time, you and I were talking about what happens if Preston or Devontae goes down, who's going to be there to step up. The answer, of course, was no one. But this year, we've got some more talent there. We have more and more people. Uh, we have some returning people like Albert Wilson, who I would have thought was not going to even be on the team right now, considering everything that happened. Uh, all reports, Chris, coming out of minicamp is that 
Albert Wilson is impressing the hell out of just about everybody in camp. He's catching everything. He's running routes. He's that veteran presence that I think we desperately need in that wide receiver room. Uh, so much so that they think Jalen Waddle is going to be their first guy in the slot. They're going to move Albert Wilson. Reports are maybe outside. Now, in my opinion, you're not taking Albert Wilson and putting him outside if you don't have plans for him to be on your roster in 2021. So when I start to take a look at this and I see Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller, who will be suspended week one, Albert Wilson, there's five right there. There's a bunch of young guys that we haven't even mentioned yet in terms of um, uh, uh, Perry, uh, Bowden. Of course, you have Jakeem Grant on that list. and You've got a couple of others here that we haven't even talked about. Uh, Alan Hearns as another veteran. How many wide receivers do you think the Miami Dolphins carry going into week one? Uh, I'd say five or six, uh, possibly seven, uh, with the Fuller situation especially. Um, number one models, obviously. Parker's obviously. Williams, I, I don't want to say obviously. I mean, it depends on camp. Um, but, yeah, Wilson. That's all everybody's talking about is Wilson. Fuller, obviously, because of the one-year deal. Um, that's five right there. If you do put Williams Wilson in there, then you're looking at Bowden, uh, Kirk Merritt, um, Perry and Hearns and Hollins, Mac Hollins. I mean, <laughs> Jakeem Grant, these are guys that are going to probably be on an NFL roster. Just might not be ours just based on the pure number of guys we have and the amount of tight ends that we roll with too. Um, Week one, you got New England. So if you're sitting there and you're like, hey, let's go tight end heavy. Let's uh, make active Smythe. Gasecki and, and Shaheen, um, you can roll with five receivers, six receivers with Fuller being out uh, and not pay, guaranteeing that contract for somebody and then signing some one of them week two. So it's like not guaranteed. There's a, a lot of different ways it can go, but I, I, I see that my top, my I guess just going into it, let's just say my guarantee is Waddle, Parker, Williams, Wilson, Fuller. And then after that, I just don't, I can't guarantee anything. I was going to go seven. That's what I was thinking is we're going to do seven because week one, Will Fuller will not be available and you want to have you know a full roster of players that you can actually have on the team. And we have enough young talent that I think we can um, we can kind of probably cut one of those guys or put them on the practice squad, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We talked about this before. I don't think they'd make it to the practice squad, but uh, that you could actually do that and save some money. But you, you mentioned something here that I think is interesting. I'm going to go with six. So I think traditionally speaking, um, rosters they, they roster five wide receivers. Uh, I'm going to go six, which is one more than traditional. I was going to go seven and be bold, but you mentioned the tight end room. And the tight end room is very crowded. You have Gesicki. You've got Derm Smythe. You have Shaheen. Uh, you also have Hunter Long, who are... Um, uh, who we just drafted in the third round, who is a pass catching tight end. That's the fourth tight end in the room. And then of course you have, uh, he's more of a special teams player, but that kid, that tight end that we actually signed from the Cincinnati Bengals. So you have five tight ends that you could possibly start to utilize as well. So since you have probably five tight ends, barring any injuries, I don't think that you carry seven wide receivers going into week one. So I'm going to go with six. So I'm going to say six wide receivers make this squad for the Miami Dolphins coming out of training camp. And we're going to have five tight ends. Do you, do you uh, agree or disagree on the tight end number? Yeah, I agree with that. Four or five tight ends week one, for sure. Especially with the fuller being out. Um, I will predict this. If Perry's on the practice squad, the new England Patriots are going to sign him and put him on the active roster. They wanted him big time. And we, sw uh, we swooped in and got him uh, and drafted him. They wanted to, to sign him as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. And a lot of people are talking about Lynn Bowden too. He's got a lot of publicity. I don't think if you put him on the practice squad that he's actually going to make it to the practice squad either. He will find another home somewhere else. Well, I hope league. he makes the roster. We traded a third round pick for the guy. I mean, like we need to hopefully, hopefully he makes the roster over Grant or Hearns, especially. Well, does Lynn Bowden become more of a running back then? Is he classified as a running back? And if so, then how many running backs are you keeping? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> With Malcolm Brown, Gaskins, after that, I guess keep, keep Bowden instead of uh, Ahmed, but uh, Laird as well. Like, what did they have like four on the roster last year, pretty much every game? So I don't think they had one running back on the team last year for the most part outside of Miles Gaskins when he wasn't injured. But yeah, I mean, you have Miles Gaskins, you have uh, Malcolm Brown, you have Suvon Ahmed, who actually played pretty hard, although he just doesn't have the talent that, you know, Miles Gaskin has. But those two are like two peas in a pod. You see them even in minicamp doing extra reps together on the field after practice is over. So you kind of like to see that hustle. You have Patrick Laird, who is still here. The intern is still here and then of course you've got uh jared dokes who we saw or you know we drafted in the seventh round it's a low round draft pick you don't know if he's necessarily going to make the team or not and of course lynn bowden so you have about five or six running backs they all seem to have a very similar sort of like 
overall talent. I mean, they have different skill sets, but they have overall talent seems to be about the same. Uh, Malcolm Brown's going to be on the team. Uh, Miles Gaskin's going to be on the team. I don't know that Ahmed necessarily makes the team. I don't know that Jared Dokes necessarily makes the team, but you do have Lynn Bowden, who is one of those guys that can go, you know, line up as a wide receiver and also get in the backfield and take the ball and run real fast with it. So I do think he makes the team, but maybe he's going to be classified more as like, uh, you know, a, a tailback, um, a receiving threat out of the backfield sort of thing. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with four overall running backs that are going to be going to be kept. So we have six wide receivers, five tight ends, four running backs. At least as far as I as I see it. Yeah, or we can fuck around and just name uh, Bowden and Perry the second and third string quarterbacks. You know, and all those guys are about the same size. So maybe we can just kind of like, you know, how you could do the old switcheroo if you had twins and you know get two kids into the school, even though they only had room for one. Maybe we take Merritt, Bowden, and Perry, and we just have them share a jersey and we can just swap them out every quarter and just, hey, you guys are one guy, uh, but you're all going to get to get a chance to play. And that way it's a new NFL. All. It's a new NFL. Make yeah, it happen. You know, you never know. We talked about having, uh, you know, the amoeba defense, and uh, I don't know what I, I I nailed it the other day, but uh, we called some sort of offense as well. But uh, okay, let's just go with four running backs, six wide receivers, and five tight ends. So the skill positions we've got, we're at fifteen. The roster is built at fifteen right now. Quarterbacks, I think this is easy. Uh, do you disagree that we're going to have more than two uh, with Jacoby Brissett and Tua Tagovailoa? Nope, that's it. There we go. So we have two there. So we're up to 17 on offense, which leads us to the offensive line. Now, this is an area where we see a lot of injuries. We see people shuffling. We have a lot of people that can do a lot of different things at different positions, guards that can be tackles, that can be centers, so on and so forth. How many offensive linemen do you think we carry heading into week one? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. So, I mean, you're talking five starters right off the bat. Um, and then depth, you want good depth as well. I mean, eight eight, nine, I'd say we're, we're keeping. I'm going to go nine. I think we need more big bodies up front. Um, I, I'm going to go nine. I think eight is typically what you see, but here's the thing with nine is that if you're going to carry more wide receivers, then you have to lose the position somewhere else. Now you could say, okay, well you traditionally carry three quarterbacks. You're only carrying two, but the Miami Dolphins have only carried two quarterbacks for quite some time. So they've kind of changed that paradigm as to how many quarterbacks you should roster week in and week out. I'm going to go with nine uh, just because I think I love the versatility and we're still going to be mixing and matching a little bit as to who can do what. But if you do nine, we already have 17 offensive players on the roster plus nine. I think that what 26. So you're on a 53 man roster, roughly half your team, is on offense based on the numbers that we just did. And that doesn't take into account your long snapper, your kicker, or your punter. So if you add those three together, uh, that's at 29, which means you now have to fill out the remainder of your roster, the remainder of your defense um, with less than half of the players allotted to you on a 53-man roster. So, uh, Which is that- tough when we already have 45 corners. Exactly right. I mean, I think that's where we're going to be squeezed as well. So let's just talk about the defensive line. Defensive tackles, defensive end. Um, we're up to 29 on the roster here if you count the kicker, the punter, and uh, the long snapper, as well as the offensive players that we already talked about. How many people across the defensive line um, do you see us carrying? Um, well, with this, it's interesting because if we run the 3-4, you know, they can kind of say you're a 3-4 outside linebacker, but they're really like basically a D-end. Um, but I would say six, seven, eight, like something like, you know, depth at each, at each position positions, I, I guess you could say, uh, maybe seven. Um, but I, there's gonna be a lot of rock turning at the bottom of our roster. I think for the first six weeks of the season. And then with an added week too, you want to keep that practice squad fresh and guys coming in. So it's going to be a really interesting year. Yeah, I mean, Will Fuller will be active week two as of right now. So somebody's going to lose their job after week one. That, that's what we know. Um, so somebody, most likely an offensive player, is going to lose their job once Will Fuller comes back on. Uh, I'm going to go with seven on the defensive line. That's your defensive tackles. That's your defensive ends. I think that's where we're going to be. That puts the roster at 36. So if you're talking about the players, uh, you know, probably obviously Christian Wilkins, Emmanuel Ogba. You've got, um, if you want to classify, Jalen Phillips is going to be more of an outside linebacker. So we'll, we'll wait to, to, to classify him there. Benito Jones, I think, makes this team. I'm going to go seven. That puts us at 36, and we still have to fill out the linebackers and, of course, as you said, the 45 different defensive backs that we have on this team. Um, going into the linebackers, how many linebackers in a 3-4 base defense where linebackers are more? Um, how many linebackers are we carrying both inside and outside? We emphasize DBs a lot, so I'm going to say less than the DBs, so I'm going to go ahead and say probably six or seven putting us okay. in the mid to the low 40s. So if we have seven linebackers, that would put us at 43. Um, 
in terms of the people on the roster right now, which means we have 10 slots available for the defensive backfield. Uh, I think traditionally we carry five cornerbacks and maybe like three or four safeties. So I think you're right there. And when you think about the offensive um, mindset of, you know, these are spread offenses, three, four or five wide sets. And then we love our defensive backfield. Maybe we do carry 10 defensive uh, backfield, but I'm going to go with eight. I think I'm going to go eight linebackers. Here's the thing. If we go seven on the defensive line, we have to go bigger in my opinion on the linebackers. So if we're going to go seven defensive linemen, then we have to probably go eight when it comes to uh, linebackers. But if you go seven, that puts us at 43 and we got 10 spots available. Are we, are we going to carry 10 defensive backfield uh, players? Well, I mean, you're rolling with four starters. So if you have a backup for each, that's eight. Um, and then, you know, Flores wants to, likes to move guys around and change things up. So, yeah, I can see anywhere from eight to 10 for sure, uh, DBs. But I agree with you on the linebackers. You know, it, it, it throws a gray area when you're considering like a Jalen Phillips and possibly like an Ogba as an outside linebacker when they're right. going to have their hand in the dirt or rushing most of the time or Van Ginkle. Um, but you got to account for special teams too, man. You got to have those guys that, you know, the, the need them and, um, the, the guys in the world that are running down and, and gunning on punts and stuff. So um, I would say eight or 10, but kind of the gray area of the DBs are also like your special team aces and stuff like that. And that's a great point. And something I hadn't considered is when you're constructing your roster, you do need a couple of gunners on either side of that, you know, punt formation uh, that are going to get down there and hit the quarterback. And you don't typically see wide receivers doing that. You see, you know, tight ends and special teamers doing that type of stuff. Um, and you do have to build your roster with special teams in mind. So to that point, yeah, I think you're probably right, especially on your punt and kick return coverage. You usually see linebackers and, and, and cornerbacks and safeties and, you know, the backups um, running down the field for that. So um Maybe you've changed my mind a little bit. Maybe we do go seven on the defensive line. We go eight on linebackers, and that would put us with nine defensive backs, if my math is correct. I'm sure it's not. Somebody will correct me. Uh, but that would be the roster breakdown. Are you you're comfortable with the Miami Dolphins offense having more players than the Miami Dolphins defense? Uh, yeah, considering our defense is way better than our offense last year, we need every weapon we can get. Uh, with two offensive coordinators, I guess you have to have <laughs> more uh, guys on that side of the ball for the chefs in the kitchen. Well, there you go. Everybody mark the tape. See how we do when the final roster comes out later this year. We'll go back and reference this, Chris, and you'll find out and I'll find out if we were good uh, with our mindset here. But uh, that is this episode of Welcome to Perfectville. I just want to say something real quick here, Chris, before we sign off. Um, The last five years has been a blast with you and I as the co-hosts on this podcast. We're not going away. We're not leaving by any stretch of the imagination, but we do have some, uh, some really, really big changes coming up here to this show, to the format of the show and everything else that we have coming up. We ha- cannot announce it yet, but I guarantee you that citizens of Perfectville and Miami Dolphins everywhere are going to love what we're bringing here uh, to the Welcome to Perfectville audience. Um, so I just want to say thank you to everyone on the way uh, up to this point. It's been a lot of fun just to get to know our citizens of Perfectville and our fans out there and just get ingrained all the way around um, and a lot more fun stuff coming ahead. So Chris, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm excited as well, but uh, more to come. More to come. And with that, nothing else to say other than goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Welcome to Perfectville as part of the Believe Podcast Network and is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.